Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host Albert, and this is episode 45, Death or Glory. Hi everybody and welcome back. It's nice to be here recording, it's only about a week behind schedule. Life at the uh, One Player household has just been really crazy lately. We've been trying to get our house ready to sell, but uh, at this point we now have the house on the market. Life is more or less back to normal, at least by that I mean I have time to play occasionally. So that also means I've had time to to play a game for the show, and look at that, I'm recording a show. Anyway, let's get on with the news. First up is a Kickstarter game. Actually, this is a role-playing game. It's called the Covetous Sports Adventure Creator and Solo GM Guidebook. This apparently lets you play your own RPG solo. I believe it's mainly themed around fantasy, but I'm not entirely sure. And if I remember right, there's potential expansions in horror and other settings. You could back this for $10 for a PDF or $25 for a physical book. Second up, Fantasy Flight Games has announced uh, another expansion for Lord of the Rings The Living Card Game. This one's called The Voice of Isengard. It's a deluxe expansion, so it's uh, the square box. These usually bring three scenarios in them. Next, I want to again mention the Solitaire Print and Play Contest. I mentioned it last month briefly. That is going on. You know, I've been so busy, I honestly haven't had a chance to look at any of it. But there are lots of games that have been uh, submitted, games you could print out yourself and play and give a try and, and help vote in this contest and participate. I was hoping to talk to Chris Hansen, who is running the contest. Hopefully it will happen on the next episode before the end of the contest. But do check that out. I'll include links for that. And the fourth item is a uh, another Kickstarter item. This is a game called Alien Uprising, which is by Richard Lanius of Arkham Horror fame. It's a cooperative game for one to five players, I believe. This is in a, a sci-fi setting. You have um, a ship, I think a science ship, that crashed on a planet. And you now are waiting for a rescue shuttle or trying to fix your ship so you can get off the planet. Unfortunately, there's aliens that don't like you too much here. And so you're dealing with fighting them off while you fix your ship. This will bring a lot of plastic miniatures and that sort of thing. Looks pretty neat. I don't know much more about it. So in my crunch for time, I really didn't come up with anything extra to talk about this episode, so I am going to talk about what I'm going to talk about someday. I, I, te- I keep a short list of games I want to talk about at some point in the future. Um, so whenever I've finished an episode, I'm ready to start the next one. If I don't have a specific game in mind already I want to cover, I'll go to this list and see what's there. I thought it might be fun to take a look at this list, just to see what I've got in mind. So let me go through it. It's about 10 to 15 items, I'm not sure exactly. Um, these are in the order I wrote them as I come up, as, as other games come up, I'll just add them to the end of the list. As I play a game, I'll cross it off the list. All of these are games I already own. So first up is Free Trader. This is a card game by Felbrig Herriot, FNH1 on BGG. It's a print and play game and it's basically you're going around space buying and selling goods. It's a neat little card game, it's very light. All you need is a deck of cards, which I got through Artcow, and a few tokens. The next game is The Kaiser's Pirates, which is uh, published by GMT. I, unfortunately, I don't know the designer. This is a war, a card-based war game set in World War One, and you're fighting... If I remember, okay, I'm saying this off the top of my head. I don't remember exactly, but if I remember correctly, you are fighting German pirates and warships. 
the game is a multiplayer game, but there is a deck of cards to use specifically for solitaire play. Apparently it's pretty good, I've never tried it, I've only played a multiplayer once. I remember being pretty neat, but kind of confusing the first time through. Next up is also by GMT, this is Night Fighter. This is a game I played a couple months ago in May, actually during the solitaire gaming month. I played a little bit of it, I played the first couple scenarios. I want to go back and play more of the scenarios and talk about that. It was a neat game. The first scenarios were okay, but obviously it was just, they were really just there to show you how the technology progressed over time and, and to teach you the rules by introducing them one step at a time. Next is PAX, which is a game about the Roman Empire. It's a multiplayer drafting card game, which has solitaire rules. In this, you're basically buying and playing cards, trying to have a stronger army than Rome itself. I also just recently got the expansion for this, so I haven't tried it with the expansion. Looking forward to that. Next up is Jugdrissel, which is published... You know, I'm sorry, I don't actually know most of the designers in these games. I probably should write that down. But next up is Jugdrissel, which is published by Z-Man Games. This game is about Norse mythology, and you're trying to... Keep Ragnarok from happy, basically. The game plays an awful lot like a States of Siege game with very nice graphics. More complex than the typical States of Siege game, but you know it's similar in that you're trying to keep the five or six enemies from advancing all the way to that last space. The next game is Duel in the Dark, also by Z-Man Game. This is a World War II game of bombing raids in, on Germany against Germany. It is a two-player game with solitaire rules with the little cardboard and plastic uh, miniatures. Now I've heard both good and bad things about this one, especially for the soldier rules. The next game I have is the Battle of Red Cliffs, which is a TZQ variant, which is a Mahjong variant. Um, this was a game that I kickstarted last year, I guess, and it includes solitaire rules. I've played a multiplayer and I've played a couple solitaire games. The couple solitaire games I found, I did not find it that exciting, to be honest. Um, I've always tended to avoid talking about games I don't like on this show, so I kind of avoided talking about this one too much. The problem I had with it was that the way the game works, you have five cards in there that are timers, and you have very little you know, very little control about it. They could be the first five cards and the game ends instantly, or they could be the last five cards in the deck and the game will last forever. Next up is Dawn of the Zeds, and you know... I wrote this game down before I owned it because I only just got it recently. This is a victory point game. It's a States of Siege game. And you're fighting off zombie hordes. One of the things I like about this game is that one of the counters is Mayor Hernandez. That's a second solitaire game that has a Hernandez character in it. This is awesome. The next one up is actually a role-playing game or a role-playing adventure. I don't know how you want what you want to call it. It is The Ruins of the Undercity, which is a... Independently published game using either the old basic D&D game rules or Labyrinth Lords rules, which are a D&D clone, basically. I've read through it and I've started making characters, and that's about as far as I've gotten. Fortunately, I do have the old D&D rulebook. I had one. I gave it to a friend of the show, Tim. Then I went on vacation, and uh, at my mother-in-law's house, I found a copy in her basement that actually belonged to my wife when she was much younger. So now I again got the basic D&D. Next is the Solo Wargaming Guide, which came out a few months ago and I had mentioned in the news section. 
and these are rules for playing solitaire miniatures games. I wanted to try it with with a I want to try it with some other game and just see how it goes. I haven't gotten very far in that. But it is on my list of something I'd like to do. Uh next another RPG, The Chronicles of Arax. This is a solitaire RPG. It's a very simple RPG. And it's very cheap. You get the, the you get the rules and an introductory adventure and character for free. And then you could download a character or adventure for a dollar each. If you get everything, it's probably about a $10 investment, so it's not very much. So this game may actually get talked about at some point soon, soon-ish. Next up, Wrath of a Shardalon, which is one of the D&D cooperative games. I got that as a Father's Day present. I have not even punched all the pieces yet, but I am dying to play it. You know, those, those D&D games are really good. There's three of them, and I've played, I played this one cooperatively with a friend, with some friends, and I've played the first one, uh, Ravenloft, cooperatively in one solo. And yeah, they're a neat game. Um, and finally on my list is Bios Megafauna by Sierra Madre Games. It looks really neat, and I can't wait to try it. And it's got some great components in it. Nice thick counters and that sort of stuff. The rules are a bit dense, so, you know, it's the sort of game where I need to set some time aside just to read through it and learn it and then finally get to play it. So there we go. That's my short list of games I'd like to talk about at some point. Oh, wait. Here's one that I left out. Race for the Galaxy. I've got this one. You know, I've been I've left a couple out. You know what? I left two games out that I have on my list. One is Race for the Galaxy, the card game. The there is that solitaire expansion for, or there's the first expansion that includes solitaire rules with a, you can play against a robot. And it works pretty well. It works really well. That's a, it's a neat one. So hopefully I'll get to, get around to that one soon. And the other one I left out is A Week in Hell, which is a war game about the Battle of Bien Fendu, I believe it's, the place is called. I don't know, I'm sorry. And, um, this game came in an issue of Battles Magazine. Unfortunately, the game is, Really hard to get now, I believe, and that's one of the reasons I haven't really talked about it. Doesn't seem to make much sense to talk about a game nobody will be able to get a hold of. So anyway, that's my short list. You know, some of these games will be in the future for sure. If there are any games that you're interested in me talking about, especially if it's one I own, you know, let me know. Shoot me an email or find me on BGG or suggest games I don't have. Now, if I don't have it, it's harder for me to review it. But uh, it may be something I will attempt to get, especially if there's interest in knowing more about the game. Okay, let's go on to today's game. So today's game is In Magnificent Style. This is a game designed by Herman. This is a game designed by Herman Lutman and published by Victory Point Games. It is the first game in their Death or Glory series. As a matter of fact, so far it's the only game in the Death or Glory series. This game is about Pickett's Charge, which is part of the Battle of Gettysburg in the American Civil War. So I didn't know much at all about Pickett's Charge before playing this game. Actually, I'm not even sure I'd heard about it, to be honest. But it is part of the Battle of Gettysburg. I did a little bit of research. And basically, in May of 1863, Lee attempted to begin an attempt to invade the North. I believe it was May or maybe June. The Battle of Gettysburg was, I believe, one of the very first battles, if not the first battle, in that attempt. Gettysburg is in Pennsylvania, so it's, you know, at the southern end of the north, not far past uh, Washington, D.C. and that sort of thing. The Battle of Gettysburg was fought 
on some hills just outside of the town of Gettysburg. As a matter of fact, the one civilian casualty was a woman in town who was baking bread in her house and got shot by a stray bullet. So on the third day of the Battle of Gettysburg, this battle lasted three or four days, on the third day, General Lee decided to do a thrust up the middle with 15,000 men split across three divisions. Now, I believe the two armies had been fighting and sort of stagnant and not getting anywhere, so he tried to do this thrust to to break through the northern army. The the battle was actually named after a commander in one of the three divisions, but it was executed by General James Longstreet, so he was in charge of the overall battle. For the south, it was an utter disaster. It had a casualty rate of about 50%. Now, that doesn't mean 50% of the people died. That includes wounded or missing. Pickett's charge lasted for about 30 to 50 minutes. So that means they lost about 7,500 men in under an hour. So it's at least 300 men a minute that were dead or injured or lost. So the the battle of Pickett's charge is a, a complete failure. And at that after that... The next day, the South and the North still stood against each other, and finally the South made a retreat. And from what I understood, the retreat actually worked successfully in that there's very much, there's very little loss from the retreat. So the, the Battle of Gettysburg, the North saw it as Lee's Waterloo. They thought it had been a disaster for the South, and it boosted their morale and that sort of thing. The South, on the other hand, thought it was just a minor setback and didn't think a whole lot of it, but it, it did have a big impact on the war. It seems like it might have changed the opinion of a lot of people about Lee's command. That was his first major defeat in the Civil War. So so that's what the Pickett's Charge is about. It's about that 30 to 50 minute portion of a four-day battle. One thing I forgot to mention, before the battle, the South uh, issued some uh, artillery charges trying to break up the, the North's defense. So they they fired cannons for a while. I don't remember for how long. The cannons made so much smoke that the South was not able to aim very well, and unfortunately most of the cannon fire, unfortunately, and unfortunately for them, most of the cannon fire was long and hit the Union Army's rear and did not actually do much damage. So what Pickett's charges is the Southern Army trying to run from its defensive position across some open fields to the Union defensive position and, and break their line. From the look of it, the, the distance is a few hundred yards, because of the the way the the battle played out and the unbalancedness of the war, it's not something that people have tried to represent in war games until Herman Lutman came up with this way to do it as a solitaire game. And, you know, I'm going to say it works really well. So this is a victory point game. It's a game that they had released before they started doing the boxes and that sort of thing. This is one of the games they've updated with new art and counter quality and that sort of thing. The copy I have is in a box. It's a small box. Again, this is the 8.5 by 5.5-ish size box. You also get a rule book, which is actually... You get a 16-page rule book, uh, some charts used in the game, a board that's a puzzle board, or a folded map, which they do with all their box games, and a bunch of counters, and two gray dice. Now, in this game, you play the, the Union soldiers, and you're goal is basically to make it from one end of the map to the other and fight the Union. So in this game, you play the Confederate soldiers, and your goal is to get from one end of the map to the other end of the map and fight the Union soldiers and hopefully take over their positions. 
So the map is basically a representation of that battlefield. You have a line along the bottom edge of the map where you start your units and a line along the top where you have to get to. And then the map is divided into nine columns, three columns per division, and nine or ten rows, which each unit has to get across. Each unit is going to move in a straight line going up the map, so he never changes roles. He could only go forward, and if you're unlucky, backwards. It's actually a really nice map. The I like the colors of the map. I like the, the way the background is a, a nice... What's well, a map, and you can see the farm and that sort of thing. And In different places on the map, there's handwriting that's basically information for the game or flavor text telling you about the different uh, features on the map. Now the game, like I said, brings a bunch of counters. It has counters for the units. It has counters to keep track of health for both the Union and Confederate units. And it has some damage counters that you get to put in the Union units. And some event chips. And a few other miscellaneous counters. Now this is a it's a push-your-luck game, really. The way the game is going to work is, as I said, you have to get all your armies from the bottom to the top. You have nine armies. Three per commander. The three commanders are Pettigrew, Trimble, and Pickett. And on each turn, you're going to pick one of your armies at a time and start rolling dice and move it up towards uh, as far as you can get. The way the movement works is you roll a pair of dice. Getting ones is bad. Anything else is generally good or okay. You're going to keep rolling until you decide to stop. There's a couple occasions where you don't have a choice, where you have to roll again. But generally, you, you roll a pair of dice. The typical roll, you're going to just move forward one space. If you're lucky, you might be able to move forward two spaces. If you're unlucky, you might take damage. But you could choose to keep rolling after each of these. After you've taken damage one time from heavy fire, that happens whenever you roll one on one of the dice. You... You have one more chance if you roll heavy fire again, that unit's turn is going to end and they have to go all the way back to the space they started that turn at. So your goal is to keep rolling and get as far as you can up along the line to the top to where the Union Army is without taking too much damage and falling back. As you're playing this, certain rolls are going to require you to draw an event If you roll really good, you get to... In other words, if you roll a 6, if you roll a 1... With anything but a one, oh no! If you roll a one, oh no no, here we go. If you roll a six on any die, you're gonna get to draw a gray counter for the Confederate army, and it's usually an event that's good for you. If you roll any ones, you're gonna have to draw a blue counter, which is generally bad for you. If you roll a one and a six on the two dice, then you're gonna end up drawing both counters. But so the movement's pretty easy. You're going to keep rolling until you choose to stop or until you've gotten a 1 twice. At that point, you have to stop and go back to where you started. The whole game is only 5 turns. So you need to get as far as you can each turn. and You end up really trying to go, oh, I think I can make it just a little farther. I'm going to roll again and take a chance. And you know, This is where the push your luck definitely comes in. You, you need to decide when to stop and play it safe, but possibly not make it all the way to the Union lines, or just push yourself too hard and possibly break your armies. The, but the gameplay is very simple. The, the main part of the game is just, you know, roll the dice, move, roll the dice, move, roll the dice, move, roll the dice, cry, go to the next army. 
once you have done this for all nine armies, your turn is over. And you start the next turn. You're going to start by drawing Union Event Counters and flipping over everything over back to its ready side and then moving. You know, there's more to the game than just those details. There's a little bit more complexity. There's generals. You have three generals and you can put each of the generals with one of your armies and they give you a few benefits and you could use each general once per turn. There is chits that you put on the Union soldiers. They all start as strength five. Each of these damage chits is one potential point of damage. When it's unflipped, it's, it, it always subtracts one from the Union. And that generally matters when you're rolling, uh, when you're drawing events where the Union armies are firing against you. As you get closer to them, you start flipping these counters over. And they're going to tell you to reduce the Union's uh, combat value. Reduce the Union unit's value from five, you know, by down by one. If you're really lucky, as much as by three points per chit. Or they, they may do nothing. Or they may let you modify combat, if any combat happens that turn. There's also obstacles on the board. Uh, as you're moving, if to advance into a space with an obstacle, you have to roll six on the die. And that'll let you advance into that obstacle space. The only other way to advance in obstacle space is rolling the double four or double five. So, so that makes the game a little trickier. It changes the, the choices you're making when you're pushing your luck on the die rolls and deciding to stop or keep going. The closer you're getting to the union lines, the more damage you can take from their fire. So you get some choices there also if you want to keep going a little closer or stop where you're at. And once you do reach the union lines, then you have bayonet combat. You subtract the union strength from the confederate strength, throw in some modifiers that'll make the numbers go up and down, and roll a pair of dice, and that determines how the combat came out. Uh, it doesn't always resolve the combat completely. A lot of times you're going to take damage on one or both sides, and then the next turn, if there's still any turns left, you will do bayonet combat again, and keep repeating this until either the game ends or one side is eliminated. So the goal of the game is basically to get as many of your Confederate soldiers as you can to the Union lines. That's basically Pickett's Charge. I don't know if I did a good job of describing it or not. I apologize if I haven't. I am pretty darn tired tonight. Um, I will say I've enjoyed the game a lot. I really, really like the the graphic design, the look of the game. I think it's fantastic. The counters are really nice. The Confederate counters are these rectangular counters where you can see units on it. If you flip the counter over, the units start to look more worn down. That's only there to add a little more flavor to the game. The damage counters, for the Confederate start on a 10. As you reduce each step and you go to the 9 counter, the 8 counter, each counter has one bullet shot for each number that's taken away. So the 10 is a nice crisp 10. The 9 has a bullet shot on it. The 8 has 2. The 7 has 3. The 6 has 4, and so on. The, the 10... Or a darker color, and as you take more damage, the color, the counters get lighter. So it's, it's a really nice effect. The the chits are the event chits are neat. One side's gray, one side's blue, depending on whether the event's good for you or bad for you. And you know, throughout the game, there's a lot of nice graphical choices and a lot of nice art. The gameplay lasts about an hour. The it starts kind of slow in the at the beginning. You're always going to roll for all nine armies. You know, you're full with a lot of potential, so the turns take a little bit long. As the game progresses and as units start dying 
or reaching the union lines, the turn gets shorter because you're rolling for fewer units. To me, that feels a little bit weird. I kind of, I kind of don't like how that happens. And that the first part kind of feels like it drags out, and then the second part finally feels like the game goes quickly. And I do find this game very hard. Then you know, there's obviously some strategies you got to learn in the game as you're playing. You got to figure out when to push your luck and when not to. And there's different factors that affect that choice: the the terrain you're currently on, the upcoming terrain, everybody's relevant strengths, what you have rolled so far. If you've already rolled a a heavy fire roll, a one. If you roll a second one, you're gonna retreat, so you kind of you're really pushing your luck when you start doing that. Decide you need to decide if you want to go for an obstacle space or not when you've already advanced five or six spaces. You know the reason that matters is when you do take some heavy fire, you take damage equal to the distance you've moved that turn so far divided by two. So you know if if the turn has just started and you take heavy fire, you you don't take any damage, or you know if you got in a space or two, you take one point. If you advanced eight spaces on the board, which is actually very impressive, you're gonna take four points of damage if you get heavy fire. And now you gotta decide: do I want to keep going and risk falling all the way back, or just stop here and advance my rally marker to this point? And that means that next time when I'm moving, I didn't explain that part well. There's a rally marker, and each unit starts at his rally marker. On his turn, you keep rolling dice and moving the unit forward. If you keep taking, if you take enough damage. You're gonna end up retreating back to that rally marker. At the point where you decide to stop rolling, you can advance the rally marker to the unit. So the longer, you, the farther you're advancing before you decide to stop the turn, the farther back you're gonna end up falling, and the more damage you might take because the the heavy fire causes you to lose damage equal to half your distance from your rally marker. Now, all in all, this is a pretty neat game. It's very, it's been very satisfying playing it. Um, this is one I'd recommend. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek, or you can email me at OnePlayerAlbert at gmail.com. You can also post comments on the Podcast Geek List on BoardGameGeek, or come visit the One Player Guild on BoardGameGeek for comments and discussion and whatnot. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected under a Creative Commons license and can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published under Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. Thanks for listening.